0: Just following on from yesterday evening's talk, I just wanted to read you something from one of the discourses where the Buddha speaks about this interrelated nature of care, of care of oneself and care of others, the interrelated nature of solitude and community. He says, looking after yourself, one looks after others. Looking after others, one looks after oneself. How does one look after others? By looking after oneself. By establishing mindfulness, developing it and making it grow. How does one look after oneself? By looking after others. By cultivating patience, non-harming, friendliness and caring. This word we have used... Mindfulness a great deal. In fact, in the, if you did a word count in the early discourses, the word sati is the most frequently occurring word. And in our culture, you know, in, our, in English, it's generally become translated as mindfulness, um, which, as I mentioned the other day, the early translators were a little stru- stuck for an appropriate word, so they borrowed one from the Gospels mindfulness but i almost feel that there's something about almost naturalizing this word sati because mindfulness can be actually heard and interpreted and seen in in almost a kind of one dimension and one dimensional way of just being attention hmm? Whereas mindfulness, clearly sati, is, is really, vo- it's a very multi-spectrum word. And it's what we're engaged in here. We are cultivating sati. So there's different dimensions to sati. You know, probably the most obvious one is, is almost a simple knowing quality. the Simple knowing of what's going on. This kind of simple attentiveness. I know a thought. You know, I know there's a sound occurring. I know there's a body sensation happening. It's that simple knowing, almost that illuminating, of the present moment and what is occurring within it. Now, the second aspect of sati, which I think is often underestimated, it, it's it's almost a protective awareness, not defensive. There's a big difference between defensive and protective. You know, defensive is much more related to aversion, pushing away what we don't want, whereas protective is much more concerned with actually caring for one's well-being, the well-being of one's mind, heart, body, moment to moment. And this protective awareness is a, is a lot of similes that are used in the early texts, you know, and one of the similes used is a simile of a gatekeeper, one who stands at the gates of a city and actually discerns as people come knocking on the door to come into the city what's, who's helpful and who's not. Not about right or wrong, good or bad, but what's helpful and what's not, what serves one's well-being and what doesn't serve one's well-being. Sometimes the, the simile that's used is, is of a, a cow herder, which you may or may not relate to, but, <laughs> but the cow herder who's kind of keeping this careful eye on their herd, watching that they don't stray into territories, you know, which is actually going to be unhelpful to themselves or to others. The next dimension of sati, which I think is really also quite significant, what's well all significant, is often referred to as a kind of introspective awareness. And the simile that's often used here is, is of a, a surgeon's probe, of a surgeon who examines a wound to kind of determine its nature to understand how that wound is being caused so that a prognosis can be made and a path of treatment followed. So this is not a very big conceptual investigation. It's very much an experiential investigation of developing that clear comprehension of what is actually going on, knowing not only that this is happening, but actually what's bringing this about, you know? How is it brought about? Does it lead to suffering? What is the way to bring in about the end of that struggle, that torment? And the, the next dimension of, of sati that I think is really important is often referred to as a kind of reconfiguring awareness. That doesn't immediately ring bells. It's like you're in bed and you're, you know, you're resting and, and suddenly you hear a noise out in the hallway and the mind goes into a story, you know, like, why is the world always out to get me, you know, and there's a really mindless person out there, you know, and I'm just going to write, you know, I'm going to fix it all. And then you open your door and maybe you see a bird has got trapped in the hall. And as she realized, actually, it wasn't all so personal, hmm? So it's kind of reconfiguring some of the narratives we tell, which are often, of course, created through the eyes of identification. Now sati is something that is cultivated. It is something we cultivate moment to moment in the practice. It's really what we're concerned with here. And of course, that first way of beginning to establish and to cultivate sati Uh, I'm going to use that word. I hope I can use that word because I want you to kind of just get out of a sort of flat sense of mindfulness. But we, we do talk about developing mindfulness within the body. And in many ways, this is where the practice actually starts. Because this is actually where we learn to be embodied. This is our first step cultivating mindfulness within the body. There is a unification of body, mind, heart, present moment. It's why often a better definition of sati is this present moment recollecting, present moment recollecting, this present moment gathering of oneself, moment to moment within the ground of the body. Now, it's not always easy, this first way of establishing mindfulness. There's many, many reasons why we might find it quite difficult to actually inhabit the body. You know, if you're living with chronic illness or chronic pain, this is not necessarily a place where you want to go. You know, if you're living with a a kind of um, self-hatred of the body or dislike of the body... It's very, very difficult to actually feel the body as a refuge. But of course, what mindfulness, what sati is actually doing is actually transforming those attitudes of dissociation, transforming the tendencies towards dissociation that happen really so frequently in our life. Have you noticed that in the day? How the mind and body are really inhabiting very different spaces. Your body's sitting, your mind is just completely somewhere else, you know. You you look great in the walking path, but inwardly you're just absent. you just just AWOL, you know, just like not there. So we're learning to actually re- recollect and gather over and over again. And the very first instruction in the Satipatthana Sutta in contemplating the body is the most radical, and it's to know the body as the body. To know the body as the body. It is actually that invitation to really examine the whole process of identification. It says, this is my body. This is who I am. No, it's not, a, in knowing the body as the body is not a dissociative technique. You know, it's not about saying, oh, it's not me. You know, because the, the Buddha is actually instructing us to take care of the body, but to loosen the grip of identification which says, this is who I am. Because that tendency towards identification, towards personalizing of things, of course, doesn't happen only within the body, does it? I am my thoughts, I am my emotions, I'm my views, my opinions, my narratives, you know, my fears, my anxieties. This is who I am. And it's very, very difficult actually to find distress outside of identification. You could almost say that identification is a distress generator. So we contemplate the body in the body to contemplate the body as the body. And this is a very kind of very experiential investigation to know when that is occurring and to know when we're moving much more into the realm of identification. We know that's happening because that's when the aversion comes in, that's where the preferences comes in, that's where the anxieties come in, that's where this narrative building begins to come in. And so we come back Again and again to know the body as the body. To know the body as the body. When we sit, when we stand, when we walk, when we eat, when we shower, when we lie down, to know the body as the body. And it is always a present moment recollection. It's learning not only to inhabit the body with kindness, to inhabit the body with compassion, but to inhabit our life with kindness and with compassion. This is like, this is our training ground. This is our training ground for those very primary attitudinal shifts from clinging and aversion to kindness to spaciousness. So yesterday we talked about establishing an anchor within the body, you know, developing this quality of this kind of simple knowing being here and that anchor can be in mindfulness of breathing, it can be in the whole body, awareness, it can be in moving the attention through the body or using contact points. What I would suggest, and I know sometimes when we offer too many options, you know, the mind can get busy with that. It's like, oh, I had a little bit of breathing, no, that doesn't work, I think I try the contact points and that's not so great, go to listening. And actually then you feel that the mind getting agitated. So if you actually do use an anchor, and it's helpful to use an anchor in the sitting and in the walking, please sustain it throughout the whole sitting. It, it's not like you're signing up for a lifelong membership to the breathing club, you know. But but use it for the entire sitting, so you're not kind of feeding that, that agitation of, of wanting something to work, you know getting kind of solution-minded. Stay with it through the house sitting. Now, again, this is a protective awareness, but not defensive. So what you actually see in your practice is the many, many moments when your attention is being drawn to something more predominant. That's all that's happening. A thought becomes more predominant, or a sound becomes more predominant, or a sensation becomes more predominant. So you bring to that that same caring, knowing, and that same non-identification. A sound is happening, a thought is happening, a sensation is happening, a mind state is happening. That simple knowing and then a returning. It's It's not this kind of yanking of your attention back to the breath or yanking of your attention back to a contact point. It's developing that continuity of care and knowing, and simplicity, and non-identification. Learning to inhabit the body is actually learning to inhabit our life in ways that can make a remarkable difference. And of course there's such a lot of subtext going on behind that development of sati within the body. The non-identification, learning to step out of our story about what is happening, and coming back to actually what is being experienced. Learning that non-preferential sati. You know, that it's possible to be with the lovely. It's possible to be with the unlovely. To lose that fear of discomfort, or the fear of pain, or the fear of not being in control. Learning to make one's home, actually, in the seeing, rather, again, than in the contents of experience. And it's learning to be awake. This is perhaps the most important. It's really learning to move out of those, those places of kind of, uh, you know, distance, remoteness, kind of veiled awareness, into learning truly how to be awake in our lives, in our bodies, in, in the moment, with that sense of care, that sense of befriending. So again, just finding for yourself, uh, first establishing an intentional posture. This is always so important. You know, That there's, there's an embodied intention. And that intention that is embodied is that intention of uprightness, of wakefulness, of, of willingness and of care. And as you kind of settle into your posture, just taking those moments, just a sensitive awareness. What is happening in the life of your body just now? The very felt sense of your body sitting, your spine and neck, the posture of your head, the position of your head, sensitive to the internal landscape of your body, the range of sensations that are present just now. And having the willingness to meet them all equally with a caring, a gentle, a curious attentiveness. Feeling the aliveness of your body. The way that the sensations change, arise, fade away. Sensing the body as process. Establishing that anchor of mindfulness within the body, whether it's the awareness of the whole of the body, or a more specific anchor point within the breathing, or the contact points, or listening, just settling the attentiveness. so receptive to those movements of attention away from the anchor, a simple knowing of that moment, however it is. being able to return